Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Thrive Subscribe Podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about grants and uh, the Community Pharmacy Foundation, and we're uh, happy to uh, to welcome Anne-Marie Kondek, the Executive Director of the Community Pharmacy Foundation, uh, to talk today about that process and uh, why it exists and what can be done. Uh, I do know that, uh, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things at, uh, at our store, uh, we have actually been the recipients of uh, a few grants from the Community Pharmacy Foundation to study some innovative ideas and to uh, publish them out so that everybody can see them. And it's really uh, rather exciting, and you don't actually have to be an academic, if you will, to get out there and, and uh, show the world what you're doing and study what you're doing and, and uh, see what other people think. So uh, without any further ado, I'm going to turn you over to Randy uh, and Anne-Marie. Emery, welcome today. Thanks, Randy. Looking forward to this. Yeah. Emery, you and I have known each other for a long time as I've done some work with you um, before I became a community pharmacy owner. And I, you know, I've done some background with the Community Pharmacy Foundation. I know it was founded in 2000 and grant funding actually began a couple of years later. But can you elaborate more upon the grant process in terms of applications, the timeline, and the selection process? Yeah, sure. Happy to. So the organization, the foundation gives grants quarterly at uh, each of our meetings. So we're, we're open for business every meeting and it's a two-step process. There's actually a nice graphic online and on our grant process on our website that kind of walks you through it. But it's a two-step process with the first step being submitting an online application. And that's a very simplistic, short application, the intent to put your idea in front of the board and get some feedback. And it was done that way by design to encourage all participants or applicants to submit, especially community uh, practitioners. So they didn't want to put a big barrier in front of people in the field with great practice ideas submitting to get grant funding. So that's the first step is just a, a title, objectives, and ballpark budget that's submitted online, submitted to the board. It gets reviewed, like I said, at each of those quarterly meetings. If accepted, then that application then goes into a proposal phase at the next meeting. And that's a maximum of a 12-page proposal that's submitted. So again, not uh, overly burdensome and intense. And the goal is to, is to fund innovative community practice and pharmacy, community pharmacy ideas. Uh, and so that proposal then comes to the board at the next meeting and is reviewed and if accepted, then on to implementation and delivery. So it is a two-step process. In some ways, it takes a little bit longer, but because of that shorter put your idea in front of the board step, that first step, um, we're really targeted in those um, applications that we approve, and we have a pretty high success rate of those applications approved that's where the proposal then gets approved. So trying to be cognizant of busy people's time and um, supporting innovative ideas. Just out of curiosity, do you have like a number of the total number of grants that you've actually have approved and that's been implemented? Yeah, um, looking at our website, I think we're over, we're at 191 grants that have been awarded and funding of over 9.5 million uh, since, like you said, actually since uh, funding began in 2002. Well, that's pretty impressive. Um, I know that, you know, I go to your website on a regular basis to see what kind of innovations, because I know that being a grant team myself that I have to submit yeah. my final report. So you, you publish those final reports and you also actually tie them to any other um, article that's been written about that. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, actually, we uh, um, 
when we look at what we fund, we we don't put out RFPs. We don't call for ideas. We're looking for what's happening in practice. So the next uh, the the next great idea to advance practice and pharmacy in the community setting, and that's really defined by what's happening in practice. And for people to get an idea of, of what that is and what we funded is to go to our website and look at. Uh, we've now. Um, have sections in the awarded grants and projects for the most recently funded and the most recently completed. And so that gives you a good idea of what's been sort of to our table uh, and more recently. And then what's, what have people completed? And in that completed section, we work really hard to put up resources, that being both tools, toolkits, um, practical uh, materials, as well as journal publications and articles that are done about the grant. So it's a succinct way to see what we've funded and what's available for use. Because not only are we about grant funding, but also resource sharing. We want, we want to put the materials back, back out into the community and back out into practice. And those are some of our funding criteria, actually. Um, new innovative ideas, but is it replicable? Can other pharmacies um, do the same same project in the same process. If it's so niche that others can't do it, it's going to be hard for us to, to fund that because it, we really want to put the information and the resources out there. Is it transferable? That all materials are publicly available and shareable. That is, that is really important to the foundation and one of the criteria. And then for practice innovations, are they financially sustainable or have the potential to be financially sustainable? Uh, so that's that's some of our that's some of the the check marks the board goes through as we as we look to evaluate applications and proposals. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting, especially as I think about the transferability and and is it sustainable? Because obviously, as a community <laughs> pharmacy owner, I think about that all the yes. time. And here's a question I have for you: Is you know, let's go outside of the grantees because you have this wonderful website with the tool. Um, the resource that people can get access to. Have you heard from anybody who is not a grantee who's actually been able to pull some of that information and be able to implement anything? Have you ever heard it from anybody doing that and feeding that information back to you? Uh, we've had we've had um, some of that, yeah. We and we know that several of our links get picked up from other resources and shared out. Um, so interestingly, we we had in, in looking at our grants, we we did a couple of analytics on what we funded and, and how they're being used. And several of our grants have led not only to putting resources out there for others, but also kickstarted to other larger national grants. So a lot of our little, uh, of our projects are smaller sort of pilot demonstration that particularly in the academic world can lead to uh, bigger, uh, bigger grants. We have a great example in a new enhancement, um, on our website of Corey Canelty, uh, now out in Iowa, actually, who had a, a fall risk study. And so that pilot information has led to a, a larger multi-million dollar grant. And we've captured that in the ongoing impact. So not only are we trying to you know, document what we've done, but those that it's led to other bigger um, different things. We are feeding that back in the website to help show that continuum and the growth that some of our funding has led to, in addition to the resources. Yes. Well, I know that I've also gotten grants from other agencies, and and, it's, and some agencies are always saying, you know, we like to partner um, with other grant mm -hmm. agencies. And have you had that opportunity? 
Yeah, we have had a lot of um, applications that come in that have an element of co-funding or partnership. Are uh, that's one great way to uh, to raise the the flagpole of of success because not only does that um, share the the financial the funding burden and allow our dollars to go broader and longer, but it indicates to us that there's another organization or agency that's interested in the same topic. So the ability to expand the information and share the information broader is just heightened when that comes to our to our table. So there is a spot on the application if there's other funders and who they are and what they might be. And, and the board views very highly that component when applications come in. I think what else is important is that it's not necessarily that you're thinking that the people who are getting the funding are researchers. These are people who might just be practitioners who have a great idea. Is that correct? That is correct. When we were actually going through our strategic planning last year and we really itemized out like who are our clients, if you will, and it boiled down to practitioners and academics, uh, that those work in sort of different areas, different foci, but that both are equally important to advancing the practice of pharmacy and both groups are uh, grantees. And oftentimes, in collaboration because we see that benefit of having the practice, the practitioner on the front line with the patients implementing. They've got the idea for a new service, but maybe they need some help in writing up a proposal or having somebody with some desk time to pull all the materials together and submit a final report. Um, and so sometimes that, oftentimes actually, that collaboration is really successful, but it's not a requirement. We've had several, yourself included, um, independent community pharmacies submitting ideas and applications and, and getting funded. So it, it really boils down to what's the sort of what's the innovative idea, what is the practice need, and um, what's the deliverable. Well, I know I've, I've written to uh, you about this before, Anne-Marie, but I really believe that Community Pharmacy Foundation um, has been such an integral part of the success that we've had at Towncrest Pharmacy with the mm -hmm. funding and for us to look at some of the data because I'm always a, a data-driven yep. individual and data speaks. And I tell you, with the studies that we have done um, with the funding yeah. from the Community Pharmacy Foundation, it has made dramatic changes to where it's led to um, bigger things, which we'll probably talk about in a little bit here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, you know, I, I do want to mention, too, so not only are we uh, the grant, you know, the grant funding and, and sharing those resources, but we also have pretty significant collaborations and partnerships at the national level. And uh, so that is also an area that we support and contribute to. And over the years, I mean, I think it started off with a very large grant early on about HIPAA and state practices. So it's, and it's evolved over time. And I think one of our longest standing programs with, is with the American Pharmacists Association Foundation for the pharmacy incentive grants. I think that the residency incentive grants um, sort of cultivate and encourage sort of the, the new leaders and practitioners and I think that started like in 2004. So we worked with NCPA and APHA and all the acronyms, PQA and NASA and AACP. And it's, it is really important, I think, to our stability and our ability to um, continue to fund in the areas and support areas that are current um, from those organizations and of interest to the Community Pharmacy Foundation. 
The other thing that you know we've talked about is just how fast community pharmacy is changing. It's not just community pharmacy, but it's healthcare in general, especially as we yeah. move from a fee-for-service to a value-based reimbursement um, system. And as I see how fast, you know, I've, I've often said we're not in an evolution, we're in a revolution uh, for mm-hmm. community pharmacy because change is happening so fast. What impact do you feel the Community Pharmacy Foundation has had on the evolution of community-based pharmacy? Yeah, that's a really great question and something a few years ago we kind of posed to ourselves and said, you know, we've got this, we've been funding since 2002. Let's take a look at what we've done. So I think um, I I took over in the executive director role in uh, 2015 and uh, actually prior to that was my father, Lou Sesti bringing his experience from from Michigan and, and connections in the world of pharmacy, but got the pro- process rolling and, and implemented. And we, we took the time there with the transition to look back and see, you know, what's really been done. And we actually have two articles that are, are posted on our website in the About Us. And it, it takes a look back from um, 2002 to 2016 and the different types of funding. And um, one of the most significant uh, results we have, I think, is we looked at, uh, and this is with actually uh, the researchers at University of uh, Minnesota, so Brian Isitz, John Schomer, and Anthony Olson did the heavy lift to, to dig through all of our data, um, but we saw an increase from the initial years, sort of that early year of just getting started, we called it, um, to more recent years, so like 2009 to 2014, looking in our data. And AHRQ levels one through four, so level one and two being lower levels, and level three and four being higher levels, um, we saw that shift going from sort of disease state management, topic-focused smoking cessation, diabetes management, that those early years, we saw that shift to the higher levels three and four um, in those more recent years. And so there's you know, data to, to support that growth of our of the shift and growth of our, our funding. And we had actually 3% that got to a level four of studies that may change actual health outcomes, clinical, economic, quality of life, and patient satisfaction, or profoundly change practice. So we're pretty uh, confident that we've been funding in the priority areas as the practice of, of pharmacy has evolved and changed. And, and we, can, we can see those topics change as we look at just the titles even. You can go to our website and see all the grants we funded sort by uh, sort by year and, and you can just visually see that um, that transformation over time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and it is when I see some of the uh, grants that have been uh, funded, um, and I see the title of them, I realize that, you know, it is becoming at uh, that higher level of it's not just a certain condition or a certain service, but really looking at the bigger impact that we're having on um, quality of life, pharmacoeconomic data. Um, it's just, it's very impressive. So, I mean, I appreciate that uh, the Community Pharmacy Foundation has really um, looked at this closely and taken the time to really identify uh, those grantees that can really have an impact. So you've done a great job with that. You know, you talked about the the next great idea, and I think about this because yep. I remember sitting at a um, at a mm-hmm. uh, meeting with Matt Osterhaus. He got back from a board meeting. He's on the Matt Osterhaus on yep. the board of trustees for the Community Pharmacy Foundation, and he was all excited. He goes, "Hey, you know, we've got to have this next big idea." And out of that came Flip the Pharmacy, which is a multi-year, <laughs> multi-million-dollar a practice transformation initiative that's being funded by the Community Pharmacy Foundation. Can you just kind of give me the genesis of the big idea, which is the flip the pharmacy? How do you guys get to that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, it's 
it's um, so the big idea has been on the Community Pharmacy Foundation strategic plan for many years. We we kind of get to that item, we kind of brainstorm a little bit, things like stakeholder meetings or calling key players together have sort of surfaced. And at the end of the day, never really got any traction because we felt that the those big meetings are great for those that are in the room. But when we go back to our core of is it transferable and replicable, it's hard to take the, the, those findings from those big sort of think tank meetings and, and apply them broadly. And so we've just sort of shied away from that type of, of activity. And so on some a little bit of brainstorming, it might have been one evening post-dinner, um, Matt and I were sitting outside and brainstorming and we kind of just talking about some success models out there and said, you know, really just kind of that technical assistance model. Let's, the ideas are out there, but let's, uh, let's see if there's a way to get some support to make these broader and um, applied. And, and that's the word scale, that CPF has been innovative and on the forefront, but they're, they're isolated. Uh, this is the first uh, attempt to scale uh, but it's scaling innovation because this has never been done before. Uh, it's, it's brand new. So the intent of what the pharmacy, so it came out of that February board meeting and uh, looked towards, uh, you know, connecting with some of our leaders, with you, and then with uh, Matt also being in the network with CPESN USA, that that's a, a group that's operational, functional, and uh, clinically integrated network. And that's how the ball just got rolling really quickly from February to getting that concept put forth, brought forth uh, by Troy Trigstad and the team at our May meeting and um, approved and applications in August and rolling in October. And the concept is uh, flip the pharmacy, moving beyond filling prescriptions at a moment in time to caring for patients over time. So changing that process, practice um, transformation process via coaching with structure, with support, bite-sized chunks uh, over a two-year period. So very different uh, than what I've just described for Community Pharmacy Foundation, which is also why we are partnering with CPESN as the coordinating center because it's far too big and broad that um, for what our uh, small group at the, at the community pharmacy can do, but with a team such as um, as yourselves and the and the others with the flip the pharmacy team, it's it's got the the potential to support. So that's the high level of flip the pharmacy. Yeah, it's, and it's interesting too. I mean, you know, just having that kind of after dinner meeting and discussion, and how he can come up with some great ideas. And I think flip the pharmacy to me is is probably, you know, this is a game changer because if we can scale mm -hmm. all this innovation that's been occurring, because you know we we always talk about the next innovation innovation is only as good as that innovation, and and so you're always yeah. just one upping. But how do you scale it so that it can be applied, you know, across larger numbers? And that's what flip the pharmacy is all about. You know, tell me um, as far as early results, because we've had what um, the beginning of the actual uh, flip the pharmacy initiative started October one. Yeah. And I know you're part of a lot of the meetings, so it doesn't even have to be numbers, Anne Marie. But um, yeah. You know what what successes are you seeing so far? Yeah. You know, I think the the crux of the implementation of the process for flip the pharmacy is these change packages, which are sort of mini curriculums every month across 
six different topics, six different domains, and they're meant to build on each other. So that curriculum is building in and building off the patient care process. So caring for patients, that is the core of what is in, in the curriculum and the coaches are helping the pharmacies to work through these different domains. And so caring for that patient is documenting in the care plan and the technology that's allowing that to happen is the e-care plan. And I think that's, actually I didn't mention in the last part, but so much of why this is all happening is alignment. So many of these, this technology is there, this group is there, CPSN, e-care plans. So many of these things are aligned. Actually, the other thing we haven't tapped in is, is the ACT, um, the collaboration, academia, CPSN, transformation, um, pharmacy transformation program, bringing academic and community. All of these things aligned are giving the support and the ability to implement. And that's where we're at right now is getting that care process documented in the e-care plan. And those are some of the early stats that, uh, that we're seeing. Um, and so we're seeing in this first, this first couple of months is just an increase in the number of e-care plans that the pharmacies are, are documenting. So we think of there's five, there were in, in October, there were 562 pharmacies. So all at once, these 562 pharmacies are getting coached on what is an e-care plan and how to document and, and focus on maybe a blood pressure. And they did. They documented that. Almost 18, over 18,000 e-care plans were documented in that one month in October. In November, the number of pharmacies that had the ability to do that went up because some of them, are, they're learning. And so that's the, this is an evolving process. So that, went, that number went up over 572 pharmacies, and it's uh, over, I think, 25,000. So we're seeing growth. Um, and the ability to document. And I think we've had some of these conversations, but it's it's growth. And we think to sort of structure process and then outcomes from sort of a health economic perspective. And so the structure is flip the pharmacy. That structure is there. The process is these change packages and documenting domains and care planning with the patient care process. And now we're starting to look at outcomes. And we're at very descriptive Descriptive data, we're talking about the number of e-care plans. And as time goes along, because we're capturing that clinical information, we're going to get to quality. We're going to get over that volume, and we're going to look at our own values, not only just in the numbers of care plans, but in the impact on patients. And I think that, and this is at a national, so these pharmacies are across the country, uh, a national level in aggregate. And I think that is just kind of gives me goosebumps to be able to to say we're going to be able to quantify uh, some of this quality care delivery that's happening out there. It's, it's just really amazing. It is. It is. You know, as we talk about, you know, why is it working and the scalability of it? And I think it's all the components that you talked about. You know, we've we've taken what what we've learned over the years as far as, you know, how do you implement new ideas and, and, you know, implementation science and looking at what those six domains, you know, were really what are the foundations to make that work. And so we looked at those domains and saying, okay, and how do you just make it in a stepwise fashion, which we call progressions. And then yeah. there's four progressions per domain, six domains. So that's why it's a two-year process because every month over the next two years, something new will come out to help build upon the last or previous uh, domain and progression and continue to build upon that. And you're right, we are seeing significant increases in number of e-care plans. And it's not just e-care plans, but it's also, as we talked about, collecting of, of important clinical data, such as blood pressure. Mm -hmm. There's also been, yeah. I think, go ahead. 
Go ahead. You, uh, that, you know, I was just going to say, yeah. The, uh, so the other thing is that this is amazing information for all of the teams that are in Flip the Pharmacy, but this program is publicly available. Anybody can get to the change package at any time and look at the materials and use the information. That was core, kind of back to our, our origins of CPF, that it's, it's transferable. So these are publicly available, these change packages through Flip the, the, on the Flip the Pharmacy website. And so if someone is not in a team right now, um, I'd encourage them to take a look and kind of track along as what's happening. And partly because we're going to open up another cycle. This is multi-year. So next August is going to be the opportunity for additional teams or the same teams broadening and, and opening it up to new pharmacies. So I just want to make sure that that is, is aware too, that this is, it, it, we're focusing in on this team that's starting now, but it's meant to be broader and bigger and longer. So opportunities abound as we go forward. No, I appreciate that. And you're absolutely right. In fact, I have directed um, some pharmacies to the Flip the Pharmacy website to let them know that these change packages exist there as well. And so yep. you don't have to be a part of the initiative to benefit from this, and that's important as well. And then another question I have related to this is it's not just what's happening within the community pharmacy realm, but it's also some of the key stakeholders who have taken an interest on this. And I know you've worked with the American Heart Association, the American Medical Association. Mm -hmm. You're working with some um, yep. organizations in diabetes, uh, the CDC. Yep. Can you tell me yep. what, what's the interest from their perspective? Yeah, so we're looking uh, – these connections are sort of native. We've had ties um, through some of our, our collaborations in the past, and there's an interest in building from a curriculum perspective on Flip the Pharmacy on evidence-based guidelines. So starting with a core that's got a solid foundation and justifiable led us to the connection with these organizations. But what we've we've uncovered for like, for example, with the American Heart Association, who has a, a, a joint program with the American Medical Association called Target BP, is that it's a win-win on both sides. Not only are we grounding our clinical educational content and guideline base, but it's expanding and exposing their program to the world of pharmacy, which hasn't uh, been in their core group of uh, participants. They've been more focused on the outpatient clinics, the more traditional, the medical clinics. But it's opening and allowing conversations for both sides, and both sides see the potential to grow and expand collaboratively. So we've, we've gotten started by using some of their resources, but the conversation is ongoing to build and expand and, and really win-win uh, for both sides. And similar uh, is starting with the CDC for, uh, for diabetes. So it's really exciting. We sort of said often, you know, we, we're great talking to ourselves within the world of pharmacy, but we really want to get outside of the pharmacy wall and share the message of pharmacy. And that's where the value and the, and the ask comes from with other uh, professions and collaborations. And this is, this is I think, starting, um, starting to plant that seed for, for really, I think, tremendous growth down the road. And I ought to also say, you know, as we talk about how fast things are changing, in my <laughs> lifetime, in my career, I have never seen... Um, so many different stakeholders, so many different resources all come together to converge. And yeah. you know, the longest time community pharmacy and community-based pharmacy was kind of looked at, uh, you know, you don't do clinical there. And so it was kind of the forgotten um, yeah. setting. 
out there. And then I think oh, it's kind of woke up in the past few years. Well, wait a minute. Community pharmacists are doing some pretty important work. A lot of that stuff, Amory, has come because of what Community Pharmacy Foundation has done. So I want to make that clear as well. And it, it give it, a, it give us something, a, a platform, if you will, to show what we are capable of doing. Well, now that's starting to really rise up very, very quickly where people are like, wait a minute. These community pharmacy um, pharmacists have these accesses to our patients. Yeah. They're the ones that really know the community resources. They're the ones that can help connect resources with the individuals. They can work closely with the other providers because they have the relationship with the providers. And as we look at disruption within the marketplace and we look at you know new companies on just the filling of just prescriptions, right? But we're talking yeah. beyond just the filling of prescriptions. We're talking about patient care and having outcomes and optimizing medications. That to me is what's so exciting. I have never in my career, yeah. and I'm you know, now I feel old because I know I've been pharmacist for <laughs> years. But to me, this is this is probably one of the most exciting things I've ever seen in my career. Yeah, that makes me think of a comment Melissa McGivney at, at Pittsburgh with the ACT Collaborative says, "I've been doing this work for years and years, and I've been you know the little train that could you know trying to chug up the hill like to, to sort of preach the the message of community pharmacy and with the ACT Collaborative, which is looking to bring." academics and practitioners together to just support each other and advance together. So like people are coming to me now, like I'm getting, I'm getting emails from deans. I'm getting emails from lots of places wanting to get involved. And they're, they're asking as opposed to me trying to, to, to um, message outward. Uh, so it is, it, it, it is really, it's amazing. It's the right time for all of this to happen. And that also just another side point is some of our grantees, so their, let's say their original project, um, you know, had some bumps and had some struggles and they had really great intentions and they, they completed the project and they submitted a tool or wrote an article and that's on our website. But what that did was it got them an in and it makes me think of uh, Relo um, Discount Drugs, Relo Drugs in, uh, in North Carolina. And they had a couple grantees. One was with an ACO and one was with a, a, a local hospital that was, you know, closed doors to community pharmacy. And both of those grantees, their CPF grant got them in the door. And while that actual grant may not have been um, continued, it just, it, it wasn't the priority. Other things started. Other interests of those ACOs and of that hospital connected with the pharmacies and they actually have different services and services that they're getting paid for. So, it's as much as it is like our grants, it's the, the connection and the ability to, um, to broaden once you get your foot in the door. And that we've heard several anecdotes around that, that concept. And some of it is documented in one of the, one of the articles, but it's getting in the door and getting in front of those, um, those other practitioners or decision makers and going from there. And I think a good point and a good message from that is that um, even though you may think that what you're trying to do within your own individual practice may not have much of an impact, it does. Yeah. And you build yeah. upon that impact and you use that information, use that data to build upon it and then share it with stakeholders who may be of interest in the things that you're doing. And I can tell yeah. you firsthand that has been how I built um, you know, help to build Towncrest Pharmacy and and got the initiatives that we have going. It's just continue to build. It started off with just, you know, you and I, as I've submitted a couple of mm -hmm. grants early on, saying, yep. I just want to see how we're doing with uh, <laughs> some of the practice initiatives that we're doing. 
that data was important data and we just kept growing yeah. with it. So you're right. It's, yep. you know, this is the time to do it. Um, the timing is right. We, you know, there's a lot of negative press about pharmacy in general and, you know, how there's loss of jobs and everything else. But, you know, to me, there's more opportunity in, in pharmacy and not just community pharmacy, but pharmacy in general. But for definitely I see in community pharmacy as well, um, there's more opportunity more now than ever. And yeah. uh, it's exciting. And I'm, I'm glad that I get to be a part of it. And Anne-Marie, it's been a pleasure and an honor for me to work with you and work with the Community Pharmacy Foundation, you know, for many of my years of my career. So I appreciate all that you have done to, to help move this thing forward. Thanks. Likewise, I've enjoyed working with you along the road. All right. That sounds good. Well, Anne-Marie, you have a very happy holiday season and we look forward to the new year and, and getting, you know, a running hit on the and running start on the next change package, the next initiatives with Community Pharmacy Foundation. Um, it's been a great partnership and we just wish you all the very best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Thrive Subscribe podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.